Hello, my name is Douglas Block. I'm an author and mental health educator. Welcome to your Depression Recovery Podcast, where each week we talk about practical tools and coping strategies for healing from depression and anxiety. This week's podcast was adapted from one of my YouTube videos. I hope you enjoy it. Today, I would like to interview Noah, who is a former member of my group. Hello, Noah. How's it going, Doug? Really nicely. It's really, really nice to be here. Okay, well, uh, let's start with the basics. Sure. What is your diagnosis? I was diagnosed with uh, clinical depression, agitation, and depersonalization. Okay, is that still your diagnosis? I'm in remission as of today. That is fantastic. It is really fantastic. And uh, when was your first uh, depressive episode, and what, what, how did it start? Was there a trigger? In May of 2011, I, I had a paradoxical reaction to a medication called Vivitrol. It's something they give alcoholics and opiate addicts to create a ceiling effect so that whatever their drug of choice might be, you won't be able to feel it, and it'll help you with cravings. I had a rare reaction to it, like I said, that spiraled me into clinical depression, agitation, lots of anxiety, panic disorder, uh, dissociation, and suicidal thoughts. But I definitely think that, that it, was, uh, it was something that I was more vulnerable to be a part of based on the fact that I've been dealing with some anxiety and some depression all throughout my adult life. Mm-hmm. I think you told me earlier that uh, as a result of this depression, which was definitely had suicidal ideation, that you were hospitalized to keep yourself safe. Yes, that's, uh, that's very, that's absolutely true. May of 2011 is when it started, uh, but I believe it was in August of 2011 that I was, I was absolutely losing hope and I was slipping, so to speak. And so my mom was the one taking care of me that particular weekend in August of 2011. My dad was on a business trip and there was no one there but her and I, and she was afraid that she wasn't going to be able to physically keep me safe. And so she called my brother to, to come take me to the ER because I was being particularly vocal that day that I was going to go ahead and take my own life. Wow. Was the hospitalization uh, helpful? A lot of times people just go there in their warehouse and then they're you know, kicked right out. Uh, did you find some value in being in the hospital? I did. I definitely did find some value being in the hospital. It was the, one of the scariest moments of my entire life, perhaps the scariest moment of my entire life, because, you know, on top of being severely depressed, you know, and, and agitated and, and suicidal, I was now being forced into an environment that I, I could not get out of. And so on, a, on one way or in one way, I was like, oh, no, you know, if I do, t- I can't even take my own life now. They'll, they'll keep me from ending my own misery. And that was scary in its own respect in my confused and fragile state of mind. But beyond that, um, you know, it, it just it forced me to find my will to fight again because I was in that hospital. And I remember thinking I'm either going to stay locked up forever is how I imagined it at the time, or I'm going to I'm going to continue to fight and find the will to live. And in that hospital is where I, I was introduced to your book, When Going Through Hell, Don't Stop, which was, of course, as you know, your memoir. And right, reading those right. words, that was that was the first time I felt even a smidgen of hope. So, Yeah, things are really quite synchronistic because, as you know, I, I worked with your mom in addiction mm-hmm. clinic, and he was, she was telling me about a, her, her boy who she loved but was alcoholic, and then, you know, then you went ahead and you noticed that the person who re- wrote the book, myself, Lived in Portland. Mm-hmm. I think one, and I think your mother or maybe your father. One, wasn't it one of your parents who kind of suggested? My father insisted that I, I reach out to you yeah. once we found yeah. out you were local. Yeah. And, um, I think the story was too good to be true to find a story that I could relate to that was similar to mine that I, I didn't expect anything more to come of it. So. That was certainly a cosmic moment. Yeah, it really was. You mentioned that you were in my support group and it was very helpful mm-hmm. among all the other things you were doing. Would you uh, say to the viewers that they should get into their own support group, if possible. Everybody 
should be in a support group. People that aren't even depressed need to be in a support group. But if you have a mental health disorder, you need that support group more than you could possibly understand. That's something that I, I looking back and, you know, hindsight being 2020, as they say, I, I can't believe it took me that long to find you. Like that was invaluable being around you as the leader and then being around the people that were all having a common goal of getting well right. and putting each other's intentions of wellness in the universe. If you believe in that sort of thing, it, it words cannot describe how important it is. Everyone should be in support group. Right. You know, one of the things I talk about on this channel in my books is that depression is not a one-time event. There are ups and downs. There are relapses. Of course. Uh, have you had any other episodes <clears throat> since you healed from this one? It was pretty, Recent, 2013, 14, so... 2011 uh, is when I had my breakdown. Right, but then your, your recovery came in 2012, you know, 13, 14. Right. Right, so you, have, you had any, have you had any relapses since this latest recovery? Well, something we haven't talked about, but it's worth mentioning, is that I am an alcoholic in recovery. You knew that when I was in your group, I right. wasn't drinking any longer because I was just so severely depressed I lost all interest in drinking, and, and we thought that that was one of those silver linings to the fact right, that I was right, in a clinical right. depression, but what ended up happening was that when I started to overcome my mood disorder, the demon of alcoholism was waiting for me, you know, and I had to address that, and so I went through a phase of relapses uh, that really kicked my ass and definitely made my anxiety my depression a lot worse. However, I just celebrated a year of sobriety working 12-step program Very last nice. month. Yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really, really happy that it happened because it's finally allowed me to, to reach a level of stability that I was just not going to be able to find. So right. um, that was a long first year, though. It's, it had some ups and downs. But I'd say in general, I've stayed pretty functional ever since I came out of the first one. I just never, I dealt with some dysthymia. Speaking of function, what have you been doing uh, right now <clears throat> in the last couple of months to help you maintain a better mood? and not go back into relapse? What are some of the thoughts and behaviors that you've been implementing in your life? Well, I've been, um, been doing a gratitude journal. I've been hitting the knees in the morning. If you're the praying folk, you understand that it can just be powerful to, to ask your higher power, whatever that might mean to you, by the way. It could be a doorknob, but uh, just asking for guidance, um, having structure and routine, including going to bed at a reasonable time, eating a lot healthier, cutting out added sugar, cutting out processed foods, exercising, having, uh, you know, 12-step meetings, I meet with a sponsor, meet with a counselor when I can. I just do a lot of self-care, and I take it very, very seriously. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, it's a daily thing for me. Every day, there's some action that needs to be taken, and I usually finish the day with a gratitude journal. And what would you say you've learned from the experience? I mean, you can't go through anything this intense, this life-threatening, without having a, a major lesson or a major learning or major teaching coming out of it. That, I mean, that's what happened in my episode, of course, 18 years ago that I write about <clears> the <throat> book when going through Hell Don't Stop. Right. Uh, you know, one of them was uh, uh, just understanding that uh, that not to sweat the small stuff because, you know... And bigger fish to fry. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you even do with depression? Everything is small stuff. Yeah. But, uh, and being more compassionate, that's mm -hmm. another thing I learned. So what, what are some of the things that this depression taught you? It definitely just taught me to to not take your mental health for granted, you know, that it should be. And for me, it is the most important part of my whole life. I, I base everything I do around maintaining um, the best state of mind and body that I possibly can because uh, it's it's painful down there, you know. And, and I think prior to going through this depression, I was always reaching for highs, whether it be through drugs and alcohol, uh, through sex, through adrenaline, food. 
everything was about getting to this high. And then I would live through the lows that would, of course, inevitably come because what goes up must come down. You know, right. we, we live in the peaks and valleys when you go for things like that. And I think this taught me to treasure the middle ground, to, to nurture the middle ground and to figure out how to maintain a general way of living that is sustainable, you know, and to be grateful. I think that's mm -hmm. the most important thing, be grateful. And then, like you said, be compassionate. Now, I know now more than ever that there are uncount countless people that are suffering and they're suffering bad and a lot mm. of them don't have support they don't have help no, don't. and we're losing people people take they their own lives all the time many of which could be completely avoided every 15 minutes every 15 minutes and that's heartbreaking i was suicidal for over a year i would uh fantasize about taking my life every minute of every day it was obscene i couldn't go for a walk without imagining lunging in front of a truck and that state of mind and that state of being is so uncomfortable that uh, once you overcome it you can't unexperience it and experience it you have to you have to find people you have to try to help them and you have to be grateful because it's a gift just to feel okay right beautiful so Noah, do you have any final message you would like to share with our viewers absolutely uh, i would say that no matter what you're going through and no matter how hopeless you think your situation is, that doesn't make it so. And I convinced myself my situation was hopeless. I convinced myself that I was going to die and that I would do it by my own hands. And I was certain. And I was wrong in spite of myself. So find support. Remember that you are a lot stronger than what's going on between your ears and that you can find a life worth living again. And when you do, you absolutely will not regret that you stayed brave and that you kept fighting through what is likely the most difficult thing you've ever experienced. Beautifully said. Thanks again. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. This has been Douglas Block. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something from it. If you'd like to ask me any questions about what you have heard, feel free to email me at douglasblock at gmail.com. That's my first and last name, all lowercase, at gmail.com, without any dots or underscores. If you would like to learn more about my work with depression, you can visit my website, www.healingfromdepression.com, or go to my YouTube channel. Just open up YouTube and type in the words Douglas Block Depression, and my depression recovery channel should come right up. Finally, I would like to remind you that depression and anxiety are treatable conditions. It may take time to find the right therapy or combination of therapies, but if you persevere, you can achieve the healing that you seek. And until our next podcast, I wish you the best in your mental health recovery. Thank you for listening. <laughs>